0: I had a sacred time with my children, which was bedtime. Bedtime was sacred, don't touch it. I will work until then, I will work after then, bedtime is sacred, and my phone rang in the middle of bedtime and I answered it. And my husband saw and he's like, yes, you have never done that. I was like, I know, but you don't understand this thing, this guy's, he's like, you need to leave, it's over. Like this is done. And that night I sent in an email and said, this is, this is done.
1: caution you will begin to love your nine-to-five with this show join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host Shmuel Septimus welcome to this episode of the love your nine-to-five show I'm very excited to introduce to you we have a, a wonderful fellow podcaster who is joining us today SD Rand is the host of the business breakthrough podcast as well as strand consulting which i just figured out right before the show strand is st rand um which of it. is it that is part of it all right i'm sure there's more to it right there's- but uh st i'm very excited to have you on the show um thank you for joining us today
0: thank you i'm really excited to be here
1: okay awesome so uh before we get too far into it can you just tell the listeners who maybe did not yet have a chance to listen to your podcast, which of course we'll link to um, a little bit about your background and uh, personally and professionally so they can have a better idea of who who they're listening to.
0: Sure. So, I have been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. I actually ran my first profitable business when I was 10 years old, selling my own handiwork because I was a crafter. And I wow. actually found the original documentation when I cleaned out my parents' house a couple of years back. I had order phones, I had listing of cost of goods sold, I had actual like um, client lists. I, I was tracking already at that age, so that was pretty cool. I didn't remember all of that. Wow. So I was always doing some kind of a side business. I ran businesses through high school, but at the point that we needed income, I got real jobs. <laughs> so from the time I was ready in university, even in high school, so I was always having my own little side things and working. And uh, back in 2011, I had been working as a, a CIO at a multinational nonprofit, and they got a new middle manager. And I think he might've been a little threatened. We're we're not sure. We never had that conversation, but he demoted (laughs) me to his secretary and took my team and my trip to Argentina that had been booked. So he basically said, you know, you're going to be my assistant. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like the CIO. Like I run a team of people. I do important stuff. He's like, no, I'm going to do all your stuff. Your team is my team and you're my new secretary. I said,
1: hi. Hold on. Um, what does CIO stand for?
0: Chief Information Officer. I created and built all of the database systems. I also ran the complex budgets, did various business plans and things like that. But I basically took the nonprofit from running everything on pieces of paper and not even proper excel spreadsheets like the first thing i did was i upgraded all the excels but it was already moving beyond an excel and so i explained to them this is in the early 2000s already then i said you guys need a database i said we don't know how to make one i said fine i'll make one so i got training i actually took two books out of the library library no i actually bought them i bought them because i needed to keep them i bought two books on access And I taught myself how to build an access database. I got some extra training in VBA. I'd been teaching myself random coding on the side for fun. Like I'd already built a website in HTML because like, you know, websites were coming cool uh, at that stage. And, uh, And I built their initial system, which I told them, I said, this is a temp system. This will last you about six months. Um, maybe a year, but we really need to build a proper system. So they used that system for five years. And at the same time, I got promoted and promoted and I started you know, managing my own team. We were managing 250 projects internationally. It was a multi-million dollar budget. And It was, it was a lot. The access was not built to handle it as it grew to that stage. When I built the system, it was meant to accommodate like 50 to 70 different programs. And uh, so I worked with an external team to build their online system. So I got named CIO.
1: Okay. So now, you're the middle manager who I assume is the person that you reported to comes in one day and says, okay, now you're the receptionist or the secretary.
0: Pretty much. I mean, he, I had, re- I originally reported to like, you know, I had my main boss. This was a nonprofit though. And so nonprofits have this funny thing where they're not really run by the people who run them. They're really run by their donors and their boards and the, the board wanted a new guy in. And so he came in between me and my original boss and gave me an unofficial okay. promotion.
1: They wanted a new guy in, or they wanted a guy in. Uh,
0: no, they wanted a new guy, and they actually weren't trying to replace me at all. Oh, okay. They actually weren't trying to replace me so, at all. They had no problem with me. They they wanted to get a certain type of management style into the organization, and this guy came in, looked at me, and was like, uh you're going to be trouble because you were ready to do all the stuff they're asking me to do so we're going to have to hide you and that's kind of what well that's how i see it he might have a different story but he was fired two years later because he was crazy so
1: okay so so how did you react to that where did that take you in your career Uh, or did did that did that affect your trajectory just based on that uh incident
0: oh yeah drastically uh because i left because it became an absolute misery working there at that level. I didn't leave that day. I, I tried, and I spoke to my boss, and we spoke to the higher-ups, but there was very little to be done. And when I left, I honestly did not know what to do with myself. I had been working very hard. My family had been growing. Um, I had three small children at the time, and uh, my husband was still in school. And so that was our primary income. And And I still needed to work, but I didn't know what I was going to do.
1: Okay. So, so take us through the process. Um, you know, at that point, uh, did you already have identified, you know, what is your signature strengths and what is it exactly that you bring to the table? Or are you still trying to figure out a little bit? Um, you know, what is, what is your secret sauce?
0: I was for sure trying to figure it out at that point. I was so all over the place cause I had fallen into this job. I had majored in marketing in university. My first job had been in marketing and PR and then we moved abroad And like all people who move to a country that is not their mother tongue, I took a lower paying entry level job as an admin in this organization to just just to have something, you know, just to get my footing somewhere as I looked for other things. And I grew in the organization up and up until I became the CIO. And when I left, I had ended up somewhere that I had never intended to be because I had meant to go into marketing which had been my degree. And then I landed up, I had been able to do some marketing and business strategy, but my entrepreneurship had still been on the side, I run random side businesses. At that point, I actually had already started coaching on the side. I'd taken a coaching course a few years before because I love helping people. And so I didn't know what I would do with it. I didn't want to be a therapist because I absorb people's problems and I carried them with me. So I knew that wasn't a good idea, but a coach, the way I look at it, Instead of, you know, digging deep into the problems and like kind of scrubbing out the wound, you start wherever the person is. You obviously, you know, address and acknowledge wherever they've been through that got them there. But you're looking from where you are and forward, where you are and up, as opposed to where you are back down to behind you. And so I like the concept. I had already been doing that, but. I
1: like that. Let, let, let me just absorb that sure. for a minute, um, because a lot of times people bunch together. Ah, business coaching with psychologists and social workers and therapists, which you just explained very clearly. That, you know the foundational difference and the distinction between them. You're not trying to fix the person; you're really trying to fix the business. You know, if if you're working as a business consultant, so where's the business right now? Obviously, the people are what make up the business, and you can, based on more of a cursory look at, to the past, you can really discern what are the underlying challenges and then based on that you can figure out you know what are the right steps going forward
0: yeah and i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a distinction between coaching and consulting as well because i do both i do three things really in my business i explain to my clients it's a blend of coaching consulting and teaching and the way i differentiate is like this coaching is what i just described acknowledging where you're at but it's also pulling from you. That's part of what it means to be a coach, pulling from you where you want to go and how we'll help you get there. Consulting is, I've been doing this for a really long time. I just might not know things that you don't know. I also have capabilities you don't have. I have a team of designers, writers, coders, um, admin, database builders. I can make things happen for you that you can't make happen. So as a consultant, I'll come in and I'll say, I think you should do this, but based on the coaching, based on where you're telling me you wanna go. So there's that blend. And then teaching is, I want my clients to be independent. I'm weird. Consultants usually don't. I actually had a guy yell at me for that I was sitting at an event and I met this guy who worked for one of the big consulting firms. I won't name it. And because of what he said to me and I told him my style and I said, you know, coaching, consulting, teaching, and I want to teach my clients to be independent anything that they want to learn or that they can learn. I'm also going to teach them. And he's like, Oh, that's the opposite of what we do. Like we need our clients to be dependent on us. We only sign contracts a year at a time. And like we try to make them a minimum of five years. And I'm like, Yeah. So people are usually good with me. Like we do a three to six months to get them moving and then we can go on to retainer or they'll come back when they need something else. So that's the blood.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, it's basically, it's not good for business. If you actually solve the problem, Mm -hmm. they don't need you anymore. Then, uh, you know, it's not good for business, but really that's the old scarcity mentality that there's too few people out there. There's not enough fish to fry or to help and teach them to swim so so you know i better stretch this out you know uh, the good old days you would, if you ever had braces you go to orthodontist and <laughs> try to stretch it out for you need six years of work and now sometimes they could do it in like six weeks uh, yep. but the <laughs> but we all know that's just the opposite if you, if you can work with somebody in, in three months and make a massive difference in their business you may not hear from them for another six months or a year or two years but they're going to go singing your praises to everybody that will listen and even to people who won't listen and, you know, your name gets out there. That's pretty much and, how i my business,
0: was... yeah. And then they come back. I've been in business now eight years. I've been doing this full time. And I've had people come back to me more than once. You know, I've gotten them from zero to one where they just had an idea. They needed to get out the door or they started, but they couldn't get sales or whatever. And they've come back to me when they've gotten to the next level and even the next level.
1: Okay, so let's get just get back to the sure. timeline. So you, you were the CIO. You were demoted. You were repositioned, realigned, it whatever you want. And now they said you're the secretary. What was your next step from there?
0: Uh, so I I tried to work it out. I tried to reason with them. I tried to reason with management and that didn't uh, work. Didn't work. And it came to a head one night, actually. It had really been just like escalating, escalating, escalating. Um, and the whole the whole staff was was freaking out from what this guy was doing. And so we were like always oh, on the phone with each other and like what should we do about this? And he's messing up this thing and what do we do? And like just very, very um technically, toxic. emotionally involved, very toxic. It went from being an amazing job, you know, and I I really I believe this even more now that I've been doing this for so long and working with so many business owners at every level of success. Um, some of my clients, again, I work primarily with small business, but some of these guys are multimillionaires. You know, a small business can be extremely lucrative, and uh, you know, to give up your life for money has never been my thing. I've always been an advocate for I am working to live, not living to work. Even though I love awesome. what I do, I've always loved what I do, and I'm a complete workaholic. Like some of my days, just I, this week, you know, I'll work, let's say from nine to three and then from nine to three, like a.m. to p.m. and p.m. to a.m. So I'm wow. a total workaholic. Um, but I still need to have a life. And it came to a head one night. I had a sacred time with my children, which was bedtime. Bedtime was sacred. Don't touch it. I will work until then. I will work after then, you know, and, and I have different strategies for this, but bedtime is sacred. And my phone rang in the middle of bedtime and I answered it. And my husband saw and he's like, Yes, you have never done that. I was like, I know, but you don't understand this thing. This guy's... He's like, you need to leave. It's over. Like, this is done. And that night, I sent in an email and said, this is this is done.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, it just became crystal clear. It became crystal at that clear point. that it had
0: crossed every professional and personal boundary that was important to me. The work was already, you know, it was it was nonsensical. I wasn't able to do my job, but it wasn't that he was doing it. He, he just messed the whole thing up. The things just weren't getting done. It was, it was wow. a mess. So there was no more, I had no professional integrity. I had, and I was. So I, 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 integrity.
1: Got it. No, I just, for, just for the listener's sake, I just want to point this out. Literally right before we went on here, I was talking to someone else who's outside right now about uh, a place where I used to work, where I know, I'm gonna to try to keep keep all names out, but the point is that another company where they brought in somebody who created just today. Actually, sat down with employees and give you know had a conversation of this, these are the expectations, and if you don't do this, you're fired. And he actually also said if it gets out of this room, which it just did as we speak, <laughs> <laughs> that the person the person who shares it um, is gonna be fired as well. And it was just. Um, Yeah, that used to be my place. And we we managed it completely differently. And they said like the environment, like just from one person coming in and managing it differently completely. It's it's a toxic environment and it never, ever works. I mean, uh, as I mentioned to you before, I'm a nursing administrator. I worked in multiple facilities over the last five years and I've seen a lot of different management styles from upper management and it never, ever, ever works when you create this fear, intimidation and and really talking down to people and one thing I'll point out is that this person was threatened by you whether he admitted it or not and even maybe it was subconscious perhaps maybe he really thought you didn't fit whatever professional environment he was trying to create which may or may not be true but at the same time it's the people who are scared to surround themselves by talented people the people who need to be the smartest people in the room Those are people who go down because you're not the smartest person in the world. The people who are the people who are the opposite. And they say, listen, this is what I know. Even this, you might know some of this better than me, but this is what I like. This is what I'm pretty good at. I don't know anything about that. That's you. What do you think about it? Um, Besides for the fact that they attract tremendous talent and it's comfortable to work that, but more than that, the, the people who are their natural talent could shine when you're in that toxic environment, everyone's holding back. No one's interested in, Allowing their natural talent to shine, just it never works. Totally. Anyway,
0: if you are a leadership personality, okay, so for me, I clearly am. And so I've always needed a certain type of boss to work with because when you're a leader and you're not the boss, again, like I only went to do my own thing full time about eight years ago. So until then, I was always employed. There are bosses that are leaders of leaders and there are leaders of followers. So my boss until then, and at a previous job also where I was very successful, to be a leader of leaders is exactly what you described: is that I recognize your strength, I recognize mine, I'm not threatened or intimidated by you. I recognize what you have in your strength as assets for me and this company, and I want you to cultivate them within boundaries, you know, giving direction. And a leader of followers is exactly that other paradigm. And that's what this guy was. He came in. He's like, uh-oh, you're not a follower. I'm like, mm-mm, not a follower. And he <laughs> was like, uh-uh, yes, you are. And I'm like, mm-mm, no, I'm leaving. And that was kind of what happened. That was that dance because he needed sheep. He needed people who could make him look bigger because he was so small.
1: He needed sheep. I like that. He needed people who will, who will take direct, uh, He'll direction. will just whatever he
0: says and not even give an opinion. Like These are like super sheep. Like I, I explained to my staff, my management style is very unique. We hired someone recently and she's like, I I'm really, she's like, I love it here. I just have to get used to this. This is very different than my other jobs um, because I'm very clear. I want your opinion, but at the end of the day, I'm the boss and you need to do what I said. So I want you to tell me, I, I won't hire someone who won't tell me. I don't want pure sheep. I want you to tell me what you think needs to be done. I trust your judgment. I trust your experience. If I have reason to say different, I still need you to do what I said. And that's a, an important distinction. And not and you look for a certain personality there. I'm not looking for a personality that's like, no, whatever I said is the best thing. Like that, no, not going to work for me.
1: Would you hire yourself as an employee? No,
0: that would be absolutely idiotic. Why would I ever do that? <laughs> I already have one of me. With staff, <laughs> you want compliments to yourself. You don't need matchings.
1: i would franchise Uh, to
0: me that i would do i would like to me but i would not (laughs) open up
1: another branch
0: oh that would be explosive
1: (laughs) so so again so you there's still a gap over here i'm just trying to figure it out for those who who are identifying so
0: i had a meltdown I quit, and then so there was a six month period where my original boss was like, "SD, you can't leave," and I was like, "Ah, but I can't work like this." And so they put me low burner because the new guy had no idea what he was doing, and he was like, "Yeah, we can get rid of SD," and like the whole thing was gonna fall apart. Like he didn't know the systems, he didn't know anything, and so they kept me on for six months part time, and so I was, I was, but at my at my full, it was like this such a weird situation where I was basically still doing my regular job, but not really. I was trying to keep things afloat circumventing the other guy but not really working it was this very weird limbo where i was trying to figure out now what but i was i still had a job and then mm-hmm. when that time ran out i got severance and unemployment and so i really was free for the first time in my life actually to not work, work at all i've been working since i was 16 at that point i was in my late 20s and it was the first time that i didn't i didn't have to work for any reason and it cuz we had enough money and i was like uh okay, great. I've always, I've been working too hard. I've always wanted to take a break. And I said to my husband, listen, second, you're done with school. That's it. You know, the money was actually going to cover us until then. So I was like, that's it. I'm done. I I was like, finished. I'm finished working. I'll be one of these stay-at-home moms, and I'm going to, you know, just like relax like all these other moms, and two weeks in, when I finished reorganizing my entire house, taking care of all the errands that had been outstanding probably for the last six months, um, I was losing my mind, and so I started teaching. so funny. I never tell this story to anybody. No one ever asks. I started teaching hip-hop dance exercise classes. (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
1: That is... (laughs) No, that was not expected. That
0: was not expected, right? Um, because I am this kind of person that will turn any idea into a business. If I want to do something, I'd rather get paid for it than pay for it. So I wanted to get more exercise in. So instead of looking for a class to take, I was like, hey, I'll teach a class. So I leased space. I did a little advertising. I didn't pay for anything. I just hung up signs in the right places. And I had a class. I had paying people. I made money. Uh, but a couple of Wow. I'm not joking. A month or two in. And I had a client on the side because I already started doing this coaching. So I, I was—I became like this freelancer kind of person. Like, I'll do a little of this. I'll do a little of that. I've been doing some database training for people. like all these like random things. Um, I had done hair cutting for a while. Don't ask. I'm, I'm a crafter. I'm, I'm this weird right, left brain. And so, but I had this dream to help small businesses because i had already on the side started doing this little coaching in those days it was still my business card even said like financial organizational consulting and that was kind of where i thought i'd have my niche because even though my background's in marketing i was i had been working with numbers and data for so long and i'm naturally organized i was like i'll just do some kind of weird like number home organizing thing you know and i think everyone when they first started in business now it's so different. The landscape is so different now, and I, I want people to realize that the world has changed so much in the last decade. It's almost unrecognizable, but it's it's changed slowly, quickly, and it wasn't. There was no Shark Tank, guys. Okay, I didn't even have a smartphone yet. All right, it was really this different era where most people when they're starting a business like okay like what do I want to do dabble in this try a little bit of this maybe I could sell this and so I was just like that I was going to be do everything but maybe I'll do a little of this I'll make a business card for this and I've always been business minded so it needs to make money but basically after a month after I realized that. Hip hop dance extra class classes were not going to be my full time gig, though they were fun. I'd rather someone else prepare the class. I'll just go and jump around for a little bit.
1: Even, even if you have to pay for it a little yeah, bit.
0: Yeah, it wasn't about, it was never about the money. It was never <laughs> about the money. It was always about the, it was, but it wasn't. It wasn't like I can't afford this class or, No, instead of paying, I'm going to make money. It was like, oh, this will be fun. Instead of paying, I could get paid and do the same thing. Isn't that cool? It was more like a that thing. and uh, But it just wasn't wasn't fun enough. So I got very itchy and I basically realized I'm probably never, ever, ever in my life going to not work. And so I decided to figure out what I was going to do next because I was losing it.
1: So you actually had the opportunity to live the theoretical question that everyone is always asking that if you could do whatever you would want to do, what would you do? And before you actually experienced it, you probably would have said, oh, I'll be a stay stay at home mom. Wouldn't that be nice? I'll have time for my children, not just bedtime. And uh, when you actually had a chance to live it, you saw that it was completely not true until, but it really took that experience um, in order for you to really see that so clearly. I I don't know if everyone actually has that opportunity, but it's just so interesting. I'm thinking out loud as we're talking that so many people say, oh, if I only had time, this is the thing that I would do. Don't um t- don't bet your whole family on it <laughs> and it's your children and everything and
0: maybe not it's so true. yeah it's so true and i you know what i'm lucky i had that opportunity because i think otherwise i'd always ask myself that question you know what it, should I, have spent were, more time home yeah you know and i it, it's also at that stage i really wasn't yet at peace with who i was that's the truth and i think it takes us all time to recognize our true strengths and i did not recognize mine yet and uh, to recognize also our core personality, what we need, I think as women, specifically for me as a woman, and I know for a lot of my clients as well, there's this constant battle of so many mixed messages, that old school message of like, you know, the mom's place is at home and their societal messages depending on your micro society that you're part of today. You know, some people are all like, you know, um, you know women work, women can do anything, women are just equal, or like, you know, kids suffer when mom's not with them, or, you know, everyone needs that suck of mom. And like, there's so many different messages. But, you know, it's still true to date that the only way to create a human is in a actual female's stomach. Someone who was born female, who was born with a uterus, is the only possibility for creating people this is still true. I don't know if it will be in the near future.
1: Maybe not by the time this is actually goes live, but for (laughs) as of right now,
0: right now, it is still, (laughs) it is still true. And so a mother has a certain connection to these offspring, no matter what you're going to say. And so there's always that element of, should I be doing more? Should I be doing how much i be working? And then you, you get so many different messages from people. And for me at that stage, most of the people in my immediate micro society were not working the way I was still now. I, I find very few females who work the level to which I do um, both in terms of professionalism. And this is not an insult at all at any, at any level um, in terms of workaholicness. It, and it was very hard for me to make peace with that aspect of my personality because so much of what I saw around me was different.
1: Okay. So basically you're saying that as a woman and specifically as a mother, of small children the it was hard for you I'm, I'm just trying to paraphrase this make sure i understand this but it was hard for you to identify it's hard for you to admit and embrace the fact that you're very very driven to be successful professionally and that's okay and that doesn't make you less worthy of being a mother to your children and a wife uh to your husband and a member of the micro society or any any uh of your social relationships they don't have to be sacrificed that's okay and you embraced it and that's I think you know when when amazing things started happening
0: totally totally and it really took me time it really really took me time and I'm gonna say even more than that not only is it okay but I was miserable that month that I didn't work I was really unhappy I was not a better mother I was not a better wife I was a worse one
1: you had all that talent inside that was not being expressed. You know, and when people hold back from expressing their natural talents, they just they just turn into nothingness. You know, it's just there's something inside that they just they're crushed. And you you just weren't expressing it. You were expressing it before, but you know during that time you you know it went out as much. So again, so you're starting to do some stuff on the side. Um you 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 stopped with the hip hop dancing uh phase was over that was not going to be a full-time uh gig um uh, and now you do doing a little bit of consulting and you, is was that the direct stage that led you to where you are now or are there any more steps uh, there
0: was a little bit more in between so this
1: was- oh you don't have to you don't have to hang up all the dirty laundry yeah. just just but the this, parts that you want to is, share this
0: is relevant stuff though um, i and i think it's really relevant for anyone that wants to go into business for themselves, I am super risk averse, like super duper risk averse. And a lot of people say like business, you got to go all in, you got to, you know, invest everything really put all your energy into it. And I'm going to say, absolutely not. The best businesses that I've worked with have started similarly to mine where you like, you dip a toe in and then two, and then like your foot. And so I had this dream to do my own consulting. There had been a consulting firm that worked with a multinational nonprofit that I worked for, but one of the things about that place is that it had a fairly low glass ceiling, um, for those who know the term. And so there was a, quite a number of ideas and suggestions that I made during my time there that either weren't taken seriously, weren't fully implemented, and at some point they hired a consulting firm. Those guys said exactly what I said, and they got listened to and they got paid.
1: Oh, I had the same experience. And
0: I was like, I'm in the wrong line of work. I figured all that out myself faster than they did, better than they did. My ideas were actually better. In the end, some of the stuff they suggested, they didn't listen to me and it totally fell apart because of it. And then they had to redo it then with me on board. So I got very involved with the consulting firm and their work for us. And I learned a lot about how they operate. I also ran a lot of the budgets. I saw how they charged. I saw the agreements and the terms. So I had this interview and I was like, I wanna do that. But risk averse, was not going to throw all my eggs into that basket. I took two other jobs when I realized I needed to go back to work for my own sanity. I uh, worked for a business brokerage company, learning what it means to buy and sell businesses. And I worked for the sponsorship, sponsorship sales department of the Mobile Marketing Association, which was really great for me because it got me up to date with all of mobile marketing in 2011, which was still very new learning everything about smartphones and apps and push notifications and all of these different terminologies that I was like, huh, what's a push notification, which now is like, duh.
1: Okay. So, uh, so the, in this second company, you know, what was your involvement in that company? It was the, your marketing in mobile apps. Is that what you were doing? So I
0: was doing sponsorship sales, which meant that they ran these conferences all over the world and we helped get company sponsors. For the conferences. Okay. So it's, it's this whole industry of trade shows and conferences. Right. The way they run, they they don't earn enough from participant contributions. Okay, even if you pay 250, 350, 450, 550 for one of these things, the expense uh-huh. is massive. Okay. The advertising expense, the space rental, the the whole thing. It's huge, right? They pay speakers. their speakers exactly. So we got the sponsorships, you know, the logo that's on the backpack that they give out, the logo that's on the necklace that you wear. So that was the job, reaching out to these companies, Mm -hmm. researching, sending proposals. um, And it was a great opportunity. It was totally not enough for me at all. I like working with people and it wasn't enough of working with people. It was very hardcore sales.
1: Okay. So, how did you get from there to consulting? So, I, and we're gonna get to the end zone here. We're
0: gonna get to the end zone. So, I put some ads out into a local weekly advertiser. I decided I'm gonna launch by running a workshop, and so I put an ad out that I'm doing this, you know, business building workshop. I think I still have the original ad somewhere. I'll find. I don't remember what it was about. And two people called, and um, I'm obviously not gonna run a workshop for two people because that's way more pathetic than not running a workshop at all. So I called them up and very politely said, "Hey, so sorry." not going to be able to have that class as scheduled. <clears throat> no one cares, but we will let you know when it's going to be rescheduled. Um, but people saw my ad, even though they never called me. And so they started asking me about it. Oh, what are you doing these days? What does that mean? There was then like a local weekly, like a small business fair of some sort, like almost like a mini mall. I don't know how to explain it. They had these little tiny pop-up shows where a bunch of small businesses will get together. And so I went there, I didn't get a booth. I just went to work the room. I got some business cards printed and I went and just handed them out and started speaking to all the vendors. And I just started building my name.
1: So I want to interject here um, because I I love that story. And the the reason why I do is because a lot of people think, Oh, I want to start a business. I want to be a consultant. I want to start helping marketing with, you know, I want to start solving some of the problems that I see around me, but I have a full-time job. I have family responsibilities. How is this ever gonna happen? Obviously, I need to hire someone to make a website. I need to get really professional-looking business cards. I need to start networking for a few weeks, months, or years. I need to start calling the richest people that I know or the people I think are the most connected. And really, that's nothing could be further from the truth. You need to start from the ground up exactly what you did. You, print your, you, know, you go to Vista Cards or whatever it's called, and you print your cards for five or $10, and you don't even know what to put on the card. But you've came up with a term that that, that kind of sort of made sense. And if you have to change it, that's, that that's, I think even someone who's risk averse could invest five or $10 in this new startup company uh, that you were I making. I
0: three times. My current strand consulting is the third iteration of this business.
1: So, but, but again, but you, but you went out there, you put yourself out there and the fact that there were two people who, who called, you know, you could say, oh my gosh, you know, um, everyone saw it. Only two people are interested. Obviously I'm a failure. But instead, no two people are interested. I'm not going to do it for them because that's crazy. That that looks really bad. But we'll reschedule or to just tell them it didn't work out. But there's some interest. I I think two is two is good. Uh, you probably weren't <laughs> expecting more, but I was it, definitely it, it expecting
0: showed. more because I saw the need so strong. What I learned from that was no one else saw the need the way I did. You have to understand what small business consulting looked like in 2011 and this is part of what I try to explain to people how much the world has changed that we don't recognize. There was no such thing. You were a small business owner meant that you had what it took to be successful. You were a big business. So you could hire help, but small businesses don't need help. They either have it or they don't. And people just didn't even understand what I could do for them. Like, but what could you do for me? If I can't figure it out myself, shouldn't I not be in business? I'm like, no, no, that's not how it works. Actually.
1: Well, I'll, I'll, I'm sure you dealt with this, that a lot of people are going to say, yes, I need the help. But part of the reason why I need the help, that's, you know, I can't afford your help. Totally. And yeah, I would love to come to you and, on a Sunday and give, give as much free advice as you're offering to give. But if you're going to start charging, and start charging real money, well, that's part of my problem. I can't manage my expenses. And you're just you're making the problem even worse so it's it's a really a mindset shift I've I've
0: always explained to people like this so one thing I've done because my audience is small business owners and I know people who specialize in failing businesses and I purposely don't even though I can save them and I've worked with a couple every once in a while someone has sponsored a failing business um, and I've worked with them and I've seen a lot of success it's not my niche because the money is very very hard there so there are some people who are willing to risk that again, me, risk averse, totally not. I've explained to the business owner, I've always kept my prices super low for exactly that reason. So you will earn back way more than you pay. I am only looking for a client who can understand that concept. Otherwise they're not going to gain enough from me to make it worth their while. Someone had just asked me today, I was on a call, I actually got, I got interviewed for a magazine and she said, you know, we all talk about customer loyalty how do you build customer loyalty? I said, it's really, there's one key part, but there's an auxiliary piece of it. That's important. The primary loyalty, and I take a a sales pyramid, which is kind of what goes out of the sales funnel. So it looks more like an hourglass. I thought I was the first genius that thought of this, but then I Googled it. Apparently I'm not. (laughs) And, uh, but the beginning of that is to retain, right? I want to retain my customers. How do I retain my customers? I need to at the very least meet expectations. When I buy something that, the picture looks so much better than the thing. I'm less likely to buy it again. So, and then the service as well, if I make big promises and it's going to be like, this it's going to be like that. How many clients do I get that got burnt by their previous marketing companies? Because those guys, either they were so strong in sales. They felt they had to promise the world to get the guy in and they didn't know, or they just didn't know what they didn't know. And so they'd be like, yeah, of course we can do a Facebook campaign. And they didn't understand or they didn't understand that you need to explain to the client, what are you likely to get from this? What are you going to need to invest to get X? Just how does it work? And so you're not going to retain a client if you cannot meet expectations, but there's an auxiliary part to this and people ignore it in service. It's so critical and product less so, but in service, especially when you're small, you want to get the right people. Because even if you do what you promised, but it's not exactly what that person wanted, they're not coming back. And so I only really want to work with people who want the kind of help I give. When someone calls me like, "Esty, you make websites. Can you make me a website?" I'm like, "Yeah, but go to Fiverr. It's like, three hundred bucks. Like, you don't need me. No, no, no. But I want you to do it. I'm like, you really don't, because the way I do websites is like this. We sit down and we have a strategy session. What kind of website do you need? What kind of web presence do you need? What's the purpose of this site? What do you need it to do? Do you need a good SEO? Do you need it to be a brochure site? Is it a sales site? Do you need it to be TA? what? I need to know these things because I'm not going to make you just a website. I'm going to work with the kind of person who wants to run their business in a strategic
1: way i see so well, I, you have to make
0: sure
1: yeah, yeah you got to make sure that the partnership you know you can fire your clients as well just like I you can that. fire that your was boss my
0: first viral post on linkedin was a post where i fired my clients really yeah i
1: fired clients All right, I'm, totally i'm gonna ha- i'm gonna have to check that out <laughs> um i have a question for you um you mentioned this is not something i was gonna ask but this is something i've been wondering and i think you're the perfect person to weigh in on this um I've been looking as I mentioned to you before the show, uh, you know, a lot of different things, a lot of different avenues to go down professionally uh, for myself and for other people. And obviously I've been interviewing people through the podcast. I've met quite a few, uh, a lot of different people. I've been, you know, reading up a lot of these books, which discuss, um, you know, people's uh, professional development and how they eventually find the thing that's correct for them. Um, I find that a lot of, like you mentioned in 2011, you know, let's say six, seven, eight, nine years ago for a small business to, or even for professionals to actually seek outside help that was almost either completely unaffordable or it's like going to shrink and sitting on their couch, which is, you know, I don't have a problem that needs to be fixed. I just, you know, I'm just looking for my business. But then I find that I see so many people who in my view and you may disagree, you may disagree strongly and that would be fun. Um, I, in my view, I see that they get stuck in the journey. So in other words, someone is tr- applying for jobs and they keep on uh, you know, applying to jobs, they don't get responses and their resume is terrible. And finally, I'm a resume writer. The other person is, I'm, I'm, I take your resumes and I send them out to job boards. I help you get interviews. Uh, and someone else is like, I'm going to prep you for the interview. The next person is that, you know, I'm going to actually connect you to those people. And someone else is going to be a consultant and a business coach. Do you feel? And I, again, this is this is not fair because I'm talking to you as a business consultant. But do you feel that there are certain people who wind up? There's so many. You go on LinkedIn. Look how many people's profiles are business consultants, business coaches. A lot of these people could barely figure out how to get their shoes on in the morning. And I know because I've 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 reached out to some of these people for the podcast, and I'm like, no, I don't want you. You you don't you have no idea what you're doing. Not that I do, but to some extent it seems like everyone just hangs up a sign and, you know, I'm a business consultant and sometimes A, like extreme case where they really have no idea what they're talking about, no business experience. Sometimes they do a decent job, but I wonder, are they stopping along the road? And because they had a business consultant and they said, oh, I might as well do it myself. And are they stopping themselves from getting to where they really should, where their real strong spot is and ultimately a little bit further down the road, maybe a lot further down the road. I'm very curious to hear what your take is on this.
0: Oh, <sighs> so much to say about this. Okay.
1: I know it's, it's really late. We really, it's really past our, our in, passed our, our, in. Our, in, okay. uh, well, our end time. But it, if you're, if you're okay with yeah, it, then yeah. I would love to end with this. I'm
0: totally fine to go into this. I just have so much to say. I have to figure out where to start. So the short answer to your question is yes. Yes. They are totally stopping themselves because they're just jumping on the bandwagon. It's like the gold rush. You know, everyone wants to get in on it. Oh, I could be a business coach. I could be this, I could be this. So, they see it, a lot of people jump into business having no idea what it entails, you know, and they just kind of, here's the best way I can describe it actually. And this is one of the reasons I actually, my, my recent online course I taught called Marketing for Marketers, is actually a course marketing strategy. For graphic designers, copywriters, web designers, and digital marketers—people who do social media ghosting—who never learned marketing strategy, so they hang up their shingle, just like we described, and they don't even know what they don't know. I don't think. I think most of these people are not malicious. They just don't know what they don't know.
1: Right. They, I don't think they so. See, it's
0: being done, and then I get the leftovers—clients who spend five, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars sometimes on someone who just doesn't know what they don't know. People who have built entire websites and and. Uh, you know, marketing funnels that are missing the entire point of how you need to sell this thing. And of course it doesn't work. It's when they come to me I say, I just spent $30,000 on this guy. What can you do? I have like five more. Can you fix this? Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you come to me when you have the 30? Okay. Like I only needed about 15 of that, but whatever. I could have done it better the first time. But so So that's what that course does. And it teaches them also how to charge appropriately for these types of services, but to know what they're missing. And so, uh, here's the story. Here's the best way to describe it. It's my red fire bell story. Oh, it's the fire bell story. Okay.
1: Okay. Give it to us.
0: So here's the fire bell story that you have all been waiting for. Guy goes to a town and there's a fire and they ring this fire bell and out come the fire engines and all the townspeople and they take care of the fire. And he's like, this is genius never saw it before, comes from some little village somewhere when there's a fire in their village, they just, you know, they all run to the river, grab some buckets and see what they can do. And this whole like system's amazing. He's like, wow, this would save so many lives. This is incredible. Gotta have this in my town. I can do this too. And so when he leaves this town where he was a guest, he swipes the bell. He's like, listen, they made it once. They can make another one. I need this more than they do. Goes home to his town and you know, within a week or two, there's a fire. He's like, guys, guys, everyone starts running. He's like, no, no, I have something much Better. He runs to his room, opens, rifles through the drawer, pulls out the fire bell. He's like, I got it. And he stands and goes, ding, 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 ding. And the fire is burning and everyone's staring. And he's like, No, 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 I'm telling you, I saw it work. Ding 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 ding. He's like, uh, and the house burns down. And this is my answer to pseudo marketers and pseudo business consultants. And again, I am I'm not trying to be holier than now. I have spent Eight years on this i've been running businesses since i was a kid and i worked in massive organizations I, mean, I have a business degree like i learned this okay there is so much more than what you see on the outside and so what happens is i think people see what others are doing and they're like oh i can do that i want in on that i can do this too i advise my brother-in-law and i think in business in general but in marketing i see it more than anything You know, we just see what's on the outside. We see someone put up a website or we see somebody, you know, toot their horn on LinkedIn. I'm a very big LinkedIn person. You know, someone goes viral. Like I could go viral too. And they're like, hmm, oh, it's not not working. I did the same kind of thing they did, you know. And any of the social media, it comes out a lot as well. Because you only see the outside. You don't realize what's all behind it. And so that to me is the biggest mistake. When we talk about finding your core. You know, I have a, a thing that I teach called truthful marketing. It's marketing from your place of truth. I believe that every business owner, the way you build and grow and are successful is from your place of strength. And uh, you don't learn that if you're just trying to be like everybody else. You never get there.
1: Well, I say that is absolutely awesome. I, I love that story. Um, and and I'll add one point is that. You know in today's day and age it's so easy to get firebells they're all over the place you, you can you can have your firebell up on wix or wordpress in a matter of minutes you could have another you have a blue one on linkedin and you could have another one on facebook and instagram and twitter and before you know it you have all your bells in the right places and you could even get a few of your friends to see how they give you five star reviews and how you you know 10x their business and drop all the terminology in there to show how amazing you are um, but at the end of the day and and like you said i agree with you 100 I, I am i'm fairly certain that that they're not malicious it's just stupid just to waste if you are know. malicious they don't know if you're really like. malicious go rob a bank you know but, but this is this is it's I mean, the it will, it are will... not. there
0: are people who you know do defraud people purposefully but the majority of people if you don't know what you don't know that guy who saw the town really thought that's what the bell did Right. There's an entire right, exactly. infrastructure here. There are fire trucks that are built and made. There are people who know to come when the bell rings. There are water hoses and water panels. Like there is so much more here than you see, in order to make this work.
1: So to get back to the question, so there are so many business coaches. There are so many, you know, executive coaches and all different uh, consultants, um, and who who help out business owners and businesses. So. The question is: Are they stuck on the road to success, or have they parked in the appropriate parking space? Because there, obviously, that's a space that needs to be filled, but not everybody is fit, is structured, and not everyone is wired to fill that role. Uh, but many people are. So, how does? I mean, how, how would someone? So
0: there's two questions here. Yeah. One is if you're hiring, how do you know if you're hiring the guy who's parked in the right space? And there's the other question: If you're that guy, how do you know if you parked in the right space? Which answer? Which question should I answer?
1: both in that order In
0: that order okay so if you're hiring you really want to vet this person and so I do a free initial consultation for all clients that's that's always been my thing talk to me first don't pay me a cent until you hear from me you think that I'm legit and I can help you and
1: that's great for you too you could decide if you don't want to work exactly exactly
0: there are people that I will I will tell straight out like it's not a match it's not a match You know, um, but there's a filter there and there's things that you can do in that initial consultation that I teach my clients who are service providers, you know, how to run that conversation, what questions to ask, what things to say to make sure that this is the right kind of partnership to engage in. But if you are vetting somebody, look at their previous work, check them out, look at how they charge you. Do they lock you into a big contract right out the door? do they let you speak to them first? Can you see other things that they've done? Can you speak to other real people? And again, there are still people that will mess you up um, in marketing or any creative aspects. I always say, look at what they've created. Cause again, even if they're really good, you might not like their style. So they won't be able to stylistically match, but check them out. Check out the previous work. Does it look like it was three friends who all gave them the exact same review? Or do you see that there are different things being said, but there's a common thread? My favorite testimonials from people, I, I tell every, some people say, you know, write the testimonial for your client and just tell them to post it. Never, never. Aside from the fact that it feels dishonest, I want everything to sound like it came from someone's unique voice. So look at their testimonials. Does it look like one person wrote them and a bunch of other people posted them? Or does it look like you have disparate people over time? you know, that have said similar types of things. My favorite testimonials are when people are like, because this is a new landscape, by the way. When I started, nobody was a business consultant for small businesses. Okay. Then there was this nice mm-hmm. like, you know, middle ground where people were coming into the field and I just had to explain to people why I'm different than others, because we do full service consulting. I have a team of people. We can also tell you what needs to be done and make that happen if you need. And our costs are pretty much equivalent to freelancer costs. And that's, I worked very, very hard to build a company that's capable of doing that. Um, so that's my differentiating factor. Now it's this new age where like coach is like a dirty word and this is a whole a bit. landscape for me. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm learning to navigate this myself, um, and my business. And that's, that's what I tell people. If someone says like, I don't know, you're legit. I said, speak to people who worked with me look at the stuff I've done, look at the testimonials. Again, a lot of what I do is private. A lot of clients I work with will never tell you that I worked with them. And that's part of my relationship with them. But try me.
1: Like for example, which ones wouldn't you share?
0: Um, I have a very strong pri- client privacy clause in my contract. So I don't no, I just want me.
1: to know the exact names of the oh, people okay, that you yeah. can't so, share um, their information.
0: Yeah. Jim, <laughs> <North> Carolina. <laughs> so
1: but now what about from the other side? If someone okay, is so genuinely someone's looking. It.
0: Someone's in it and they really think they can do this. Great. Give it a try. Give it a try. You will see very quickly if it's working or not because you'll either get stuck at the top or bottom of your sales funnel. If the top, is of your sales hourglass, sorry, as I teach it, right? So funnel, right, is where it's wide at the top, narrow and bottom. The amount of people whose attention I get, which is the top, is much greater than the amount of people that go through. And the five stages that I teach are attention, interest, evaluation, negotiation, decision, way beyond our timeframe, but it's in my course. Coming up this fall, Marketing for Non-Marketers, where I teach business owners exactly this, how to vet the professionals you bring in, how to vet marketers, and how to do a lot of it totally on your own or bring it in-house and why you would do either one. So we teach sales. So that's the top. Now, if you're not managing to sell, you already know that this is probably not going to work. Either you need to get a job, you to know, do something a little different. So that, that's an easy way to know. Let's say you are making sales, right? Because you're a sales guy. So you're closing the deals. You're getting people through the funnel. You're getting money in the door. Mm-hmm. If you are not really, if you're not able to provide what you've promised, it will not work and your pyramid will never build. The pyramid is the base that your business really stands on. This is your loyal client and customer base. There's five stages here also. It's retain, renew, upsell, recommendation, referral. And so what will happen is your pyramid will never build. You will not retain people. People will complain.
1: Retention, Exactly,
0: they might ask for their money back. Even if they can't because you, you lock them in and they have to pay it, okay, they will not renew their contracts so you won't have them again. You will not be able to upsell them because they weren't happy with the first thing you did. So they're not coming back for a second thing. And recommendation number full, which are the largest part of the base, which is the biggest part of your business, because you will throw so much money in the top of your funnel otherwise to get those other people through. You won't be sustainable. You won't be earning. You're like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm not earning. I've gotten clients. It should be working because your pyramid's not building.
1: The market doesn't lie the bottom line is if it's not for you you're not gonna be able you if you're great at sales you'll be able to sell the Brooklyn Bridge whatever bridges you have in California but um, you will but ultimately you know once once you actually providing the product it's not gonna work okay we, we went way 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 over time we probably could do this for another two hours um, but uh, just if we want to wrap up and know we're kind of wrapping up um, in the middle here I always like to ask my guests if there's one particular book I don't, did you, if there's one particular book. I'll tell you. Yeah. You
0: want my favorite one of all time or what I'm reading right now?
1: If you give me choices, I'll take both.
0: All right. Favorite of all time. I really wanted
1: the, yeah, that's really the one I wanted.
0: Favorite of all time, which completely transformed my life is the seven habits of highly effective teens because I read it oh. when I was a teen. I actually have never read the big, fat book written by Stephen Covey. I have read the skinnier book with pictures by his son, Sean Covey. It's all the same material. I have skipped huh. through the bigger ones. I read a bunch of his other stuff, but the 7 it's the seven habits principle. So if you're an adult, you probably want to read the adult book, but if you're having a hard time getting through it, I highly recommend the teen version. It's so much an easier Okay. One. And it changed my life. It really did. It changed the way I understand personal investment, investing in yourself. It changed the way I interact with people. You know, I listen first, speak third, because I listen second also. And so his, one of the seven habits is seek first to understand and then be understood. And for me, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a whole lot of soft skills. Let's just call it that. (laughs) Okay. So I am all self-trained and self-taught. Who I am today is, it resembles who I was. In my previous lifetimes um, because my core personality hasn't really changed but everything else about how that interacts with the world and exists is is mostly books that's the truth
1: well i i will tell you that that is why you know the, the times we're living in right now is really so exciting is because you don't need to necessarily have been a privileged person to live in any particular time well time is now but any particular place or have gone to a particular school of course your degrees are gonna help point you in the right direction but you it's it's so so much more accessible the world's knowledge is so much more accessible that if you don't know how to make databases and you really want to know you can learn online for free right now and you could stay up 24 hours straight until you really have a good idea of how to do it Uh, what's the second book
0: uh, of all time or current? There's another second book of current. all time. Okay. All right. I'm reading two books at the same time right now because one had to go back to the library before it got delivered. So I started another one. And But they're the same author, Daniel Pink, who's my new favorite guy. Um, so I started by reading When, which is his newest book, The Secrets of Perfect Timing. Unreal. I've already, I have always been teaching this to my clients. I've been teaching work-life balance and time management since before I was doing business consulting because I was teaching, I taught in in high schools and post high school programs, a course I called Life 101, which is basic life skills. So time management, budgeting, basic nutrition, all that kind of fun stuff, relationships, interpersonal personal communication. And um, I use a lot of these same skills in business, but things like chronobiology, which so few people are aware of, you know how humans interact with time, our energy levels throughout the day, how groups make decisions over time, just so much of it. The book is brilliant, but then I didn't finish it. So now my other favorite book of the moment is also by him, which is called To Sell as Human. Again, just genius. And okay. when I read his book, I'm like, I wanted to write these books, you know, and someone already <laughs> wrote this. So I have to write a different one now. No, but I wouldn't have written exactly like him, but so much scientific research backing up all the stuff that I've given teaching for years. I'm like, this is great. I wasn't wrong. <laughs> <I'm really excited.
1: laughs> See that it's, it's been proven.
0: Exactly. I'm like, I keep saying a- this is what works. I've seen it in real life. But you know, when someone goes and does a study of a thousand people and finds the same thing, you feel a little more confident. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Right, rightfully so. Okay. We'll definitely link up to those books in the show notes and add them to my list. Just, just, uh, you know, the, my method is I actually hate reading books, books, Because anytime that I could, I just don't want to be tied down to one place. But during my commute, I love listening to Audible and can speed it up and really you can get access to everything. Um, If the listeners want to uh, follow what, you know, your activities, I'll obviously put a link to your podcast. Where's the best place for them to watch what you're doing online and to really see. Um, all of your latest projects and endeavors?
0: Sure. So latest and greatest, if you want to follow me on social, LinkedIn is my current party of choice. That is where I hang out on a daily basis. So I'm always there. Uh, other updates in terms of activities, programs, classes, check out sdran.com. That's a very... Um, it's a moving site. I'm losing my English.
1: Dynamic. Dynamic.
0: Thank you. Strand Consulting <laughs> is a static site. It tells you about my company. You'll see all the different things we do, but it's a fairly static site. SDRN is a dynamic site. We're putting up new podcast episodes every week. New courses are being announced. Yep. If I have any new resources, like I have this 77 promo strategies where you can advert you can promote any business on any budget. Um, that kind of stuff is all gonna show up on SDRN.com.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, Esty, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. I know that there's, we could, we could dig so much deeper, but we're ready way, way, way um, past where we're supposed to go. So we're going to have to wrap, wrap up. But again, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Pleasure.
0: Thank you for having me. This was really fun.